0: Hey, I had a chance to sit down with the principal investigator for ICON, Tom Immel. Let's check it out. So Tom, why do we want to study the ionosphere?
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> that's a good question. So the ionosphere is the densest plasma in space between us and the sun. And that plasma has a number of effects on uh, systems that we use every day.
0: So the coolest part that I like about this particular mission is that you've got to have an understanding not only of the Earth's weather, but also space weather because they're really kind of combining you know in between the ionosphere I mean that must be really difficult or a challenge for you to kind of understand the ionosphere
1: that's right so space weather is a is a big topic and when it stirs up the ionosphere it's hard to maybe see other sources that are driving these changes in the ionosphere but ninety five percent of the time space weather is pretty benign and quiet we don't have a space hurricane every day we do find that the conditions in the ionosphere are hard to predict anyway. We think that's probably because there's another mechanism driving the ionosphere and we think it's the lower atmosphere actually.
0: So when you have these storms coming towards the Earth you'll be able to make better predictions, let's say for GPS, for communication systems because sometimes those will kind of get out of whack or they actually can get damaged during a, during a strong storm.
1: Well there's three sort of effects, but some of the major effects are like you said are, are communications okay because the ionosphere can get stirred up and become very variable, and then we generally use it to bounce signals off of all the time for long-range communications, and that can be adversely affected. Then there's geopositioning, as you noted, so those users aren't bouncing signals off the ionosphere, they're trying to penetrate the ionosphere from GPS satellites, and those signals can become scrambled as well, and that can affect everyone from people who are trying to drive a combine with a GPS to airlines. And then the third users focused on space weather are power and utilities. So all those currents that the utilities are worried about are currents that are driven because there's current overhead in the ionosphere. So being able to predict that condition in the ionosphere is key for those power operators as well. Now when we're
0: talking about the ionosphere, what kind of range are we talking about in the atmosphere?
1: So that's a good question. So in the daytime, the ionosphere is about 100 kilometers up or 62 miles. That's where the plasma starts. And it goes all the way up to a big peak about 300 kilometers. The nighttime, the lower ionosphere sort of disappears; it recombines. The sun's not driving anymore, okay. but the upper ionosphere just sits there, and that's what you use to bounce signals off of at nighttime. So it's
0: easier to communicate at night. That's right. Than it is during the daytime.
1: If you've listened to shortwave radio, you can get Radio Moscow or Radio Tehran in the middle of the night. You can't get that in the you daytime. You can't get it at the
0: daytime. Now, Tom, as the principal investigator of this mission. What is your ultimate question that you want to answer?
1: What I want to understand is why the ionosphere is completely different one day to the next. And we've tried to model it. We've tried to, we don't have the measurements. You'd have to guess. And then maybe you're right or maybe you're wrong. Why is it doing that? So we've never had the data in the daytime and the complement of instruments at the same place at the same time to even approach that question.